authority. I'm very hopeful. I want to finish tonight because if, if anything, I might go one more week. But having Bertie Britt here next week, I'd like to finish tonight. So I might cut it just a little short. Um, we've been talking for so long about authority. And uh, I can't emphasize enough the importance of authority. And we've been talking about this umbrella and how we get out from under the umbrella. We've been talking that lately, just the last two weeks, what is the authority of God? And I've been trying to put some application to this. And one major aspect of the authority of God is God's word. You've been, we walk around wanting God to speak to us. What do we do in this situation? What, is, what should we do? Well, I, I don't know that I, anything that I walk through, I, I feel like I can find that answer in the word. Not some commentary, not somebody else's book, but the word of God. It is relevant today. It speaks to me I, as I read my word this morning. It speaks directly to me into the situations that I'm in. Anybody here read your Bible daily? Amen. That's a lot. I'd like to see every hand up. I believe that every time you open it up, it will give you what you need. And sometimes I might be in Chronicles or I might be in a part of the Bible that maybe doesn't speak directly to me. But if I read, the Lord speaks to me through me reading. Sometimes may not be right through his word, but in my obedience and in me taking time to seek him, he answers me. And uh, this, this is our authority. This is what we come under. And we saw last week, we saw the last few weeks, how we can mess up our view of the Bible. Whether we, and I use these terms, whether we deny the word, we distort the word, we dissect the word, or we disregard the word. Big struggles that we have is that we decide to rip out pages and, and sections of the Bible that we just don't want to line up with. We don't agree with. Or we want to make it work into what we think it should be rather than what it actually means. Amen? Proverbs 28, verse 9. We've looked at this the last two weeks. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. What's the law? The law is the word. You turn your ear to a portion. You turn your ear to his word. Even your prayers are messed up. That sounded loud. Am I getting louder? I'm getting Baptisty. Not spitting yet, and I'm not too out. Of, <laughs> I'm not too out of control yet. But you want your prayers to be heard. Line up with His Word. Hey, that that worked. Did y'all hear that? We could write that as a song. It rhymed, and I'm not a big rhymer. You want your prayers to be heard, line up with his word. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if we have an incomplete Bible, we have an incomplete life. Don't turn your, your ears. Now, what have I said the last two weeks? The Bible, I said last week, hope I'm not getting too hit. Remember what I have here. Yeah, if I'm ahead of myself. The Bible we saw last week is a love letter. You know, even the tough stuff that's written in here is out of love. And it is for me. It is for you. The things that bring correction to our life. You know, as we've been talking on Sunday mornings about is God a good father? A good father tells you, no, son, don't play in the street. A good father will go grab his son by the arm and pull him out of the street. And sometimes that hurts. But that's love. 
And all throughout here, as it points us to Jesus, what does it do? It points us to how much God the Father loves us. You want to you want to be able to accept these hard words sometimes that we can't hardly want to accept when we see it in a fatherly love. When we see it in the right perspective, it becomes easier to allow ourselves to get under it. When I know that if I'll obey. That the response is going to be, you know, what we've been hearing about the father is going to be consistent. It's going to be fair. And it's going to see that I turn out good. Then okay. God doesn't tell you to do something and not give you the consequences. Or not give you the benefits. He tells you. If you do this. This is what's going to happen. If you don't. This is what's going to happen. You choose. Y'all with me so far? We also saw that the Bible is a light. Do you need direction? That's one of the things that as a pastor that I get the most questions for is direction. One of my greatest needs is direction. And it says, thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto my path. And what's so good is he doesn't show me the whole way. He just expects me to take the next step. And then, you know, it's so neat how a car only shows you so so far. You've got to take the next step. To see a little bit farther. If I could see the end, I probably wouldn't make the journey. You know, Garth Brooks sang that song about the dance. If we knew what the outcome was, we probably wouldn't dance. But God knows just how to just take the next step. All I ask, all the Lord asks you to do is just take the next step. He'll provide for the next one. We want to see that he's going to provide to the end. God says, I'm going to provide this next step. And then I'll give you the next one. The steps of the righteous are ordered. Praise God, he doesn't take me from point A to point Z overnight because I can't handle point Z. I can handle point B. And then he he equips me to handle point C. That's a good dad. The Bible is a light, but also it's going to be a little goofy. The Bible is dinner. What do you mean? It's dinner. Jeremiah, we are. It says it says in the word that we are to feed on the word. Look what it says in Jeremiah 15, verse 16. He said, when your words came, I say it with me, ate them. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. God's word is a light. God's word is a love letter. It's a light. It's, it's dinner. We eat it. it. It doesn't take us where we want to go. It takes us where we need to go. Why do you eat? Why, why do I eat? We eat because it gives us calories and it gives us the energy to make it to the next step. Right. We eat because we're hungry. We eat because we have it. What we eat gives us passion and drive. Why do we eat? We feed on God's word. We feed on God's truth. 
But then after we eat, what are you expected to do? You eat and then you do. You're expected to start walking. You're expected to start doing. Me and Elizabeth, I even, I'm almost embarrassed to even say I watch this show. But we watch uh, The Biggest Loser. And I've gotten to where we call it The Biggest Crybaby. Because, I mean, it's just high drama every single week. Just drama, 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 drama. Please, just shut the thing off. And Sarah Ruth Ann called it the wrong thing. She called it the biggest cryberry. So now that's what we call it. But you know what? They, I don't, they lose 10, 12, 14 pounds a week. I don't, I don't know how they do it. But they are, they are, those, those nutritionists, nutritionalists, um, the, the staff know how to feed them fuel to be able to make it through workouts in order to lose weight. You can't do that without fuel. And we've talked about this. Try to only eat as much as you read your word. Try to only eat as much as you go to church. I hate to even associate the two together. Going to church and you're developing a relationship with God and his word and with Jesus is not the same. It's going to church. Going to church is just a time for us to get together and do it together. It is not our meat. It is not what we feed on. If, I, if that's what I have to live on, if all I did was eat whenever I came to church, well, that's different for me because I come to church every day. That would probably be okay. But think about it. Do you, are you in the word enough to sustain you through the things that you're going through? I'd say for me, no way. Think about how you eat. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. I'm sorry, was that what we were just looking at? When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy. And the Bible says, and my heart's delight. Proverbs 28, verse 26. It says, he who trusts in himself is a fool. Have you ever trust on, trusted on yourself? I've had so many dumb, what was I thinking moments. And you know what? It, I, I don't, I, how many kids we got in here? I'm not going to say a bad word, but you feel pretty stupid when you get out from under God's authority. I'm afraid to say stupid anymore because the way one kid went home to pray for Joe McGee to ask his dad, was he saved? Well, yeah, I think he's saved. Why? Because he says stupid and shut up all the time. You know, I don't let my kids say stupid and shut up. It was, it was a funny story, but at the same time, I want to think about what I'm saying. But how dumb do we look when we realize what, how dumb decisions we've made sometimes? Knowing that God has the right answer. Every single time. You know, when I try to start pleasing Paul and do what Paul wants and do what's good for Paul, makes Paul look good, makes Paul feel good. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Where are you going to get wisdom from? And you know what? It talks a lot about wisdom. Seeking after her and how much wisdom will protect you. 
how much wisdom will guide you. And you know, God's so good. What does he say? Just ask for it and I'll give it. And I won't make you feel stupid for asking it. I won't withhold. I'll give it. But when I give it, stand up on it. Don't be blown around. When I give it, don't get, don't get wishy-washy on me. Walk on through it. God says, just ask and I'll give. Where else does he say that? About the Holy Spirit. Ask and I'll give. Have you ever noticed God likes to be asked? But we think our things are too small or too petty. And we go through a service when there's an altar call or a moment to get a chance to ask. Let me tell you, ask at any time. Ask right now for all I care, right where you are. There's a, I guess I'm kind of giving you a, a calling to ask. What are you struggling with? Ask for help and don't wait. Do you remember when Pharaoh was asked, when do you want these plagues to stop? What did Pharaoh say? Tomorrow. What a fool. Who wants these things to stick around another hour? Get rid of them now. What are you battling with? Ask. Ask. And if it's according to God's will, it will be done. I believe asking according to God's will is coming under his authority. You are acknowledging that God is God. It's not a selfish act when he tells you to do it. You are not thinking or going selfishly when he's already said, do this. All I want to do is stop and I just want to start asking. I got things I need. I got things I need. I got things that, I, that I'm desperate for. Genuine things that I believe would line up with God's word. I need. Lord, I ask for them. Scripture says if you'll just ask for the nation, he'll give it to you. The church needs to get together and start asking for the United States. Because his word says, if you'll ask for the nations, I'll give them to you. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Why does God have authority? Why does God work through authority? What is author Why is authority who God is? God desires for us to be protected, for us to be blessed. He wants us to live a life of uniqueness and to to discover who we are, to discover our DNA. When we start to line up with God's word and his authority, we start to operate in what God called us, to, created us to. We're to operate in power, not in weakness. God's children operate in power. The church is to operate in power and in victory. Not in defeat. 
The Lord desires for us to be under authority so that we can accomplish what it is that he's called us to do. We feel like that we have to we have to cower down and and just be in a in a submissive is not the right word, uh, a beat down position. No, it's a position of complete power because we line up. Did you catch what the scripture said before? Where, what did it say? For I bear your name. When I line up with God. I line up with who he is. I line up with his character. I line up with his power. His miracles. His breakthroughs. I line, I, I, I'm his. That's my daddy. The Bible is a letter. Are you reading these love letters? You know, many of us. So many of us know so much more about the Wall Street Journal, the Tennessee and the USA Today, Cosmo, Vogue, whatever. What do you read? Life. We know more of those things than we do scripture. Let me ask you, how many of you believe every word that you read in the newspaper? How many of you believe every word that you read in Sports Illustrated or what, what magazine do you read? Nobody does. How many of you believe everything you hear on TV? How many of you believe everything you hear from a politician? You don't. How many of you here believe every word of God's word? I think as a church we would all say, yes, we all believe. Then why do you know more about world current events than you do about his word? This is the thing that's going to stand. This is the thing that stood the, the complete test of time. Personally, I have never been able to prove his word wrong. Never. I, I don't know that I've ever tried, but I have tested God. God wants to prove himself faithful. God says to test him in giving. You know what? I do. Every single week. He proves himself faithful every single week. My God is a faithful God. Finally, the word is a light. The word is a letter. The word is, is our, our food. But also, I have to catch back up here. We're going to end here. Hope I haven't gotten too far. The word is life. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to the even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart you want to know where you are you want to know what's wrong with you going to a psych psychiatrist you know Psychiatrists can help. Doctors can help. But you want to know what's going on in you? Get in the word. It will reveal it to you. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. It separates between what can't be understood and what can. It separates between the joints and the marrow. You know, this word living. 
back in, for the word of God is living and active. This word living is where we get our word zoo from. Have you ever been to the Nashville Zoo? Those things there are living. They're not dead. They're living. They're alive. The Bible is living. It was living to the first century Christians. It's living today in 2010. Every week, every week, almost without fail, I'll be out in town. I'll be here at church. Um, I'll be at a Starbucks or whatever, and someone will come up to me and just say, have you been reading my mail? Have you been reading my emails? Have you, what, who have you been talking to? Because what you're sharing is where I am. No, I'm not reading your mail. I'm not that smart. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the word of God penetrating you that, where no one else can. It's the word of God answering questions for you that you've been trying to to answer that you can't find. That's how the word of God works. That's why we so need this word to line up with this word to show us where our faults are. So that we can move forward. It's not me. It's God's word. You know, I have the opportunity to preach the word of God with the authority of a prophet or an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an apostle. But, but why can I do that? Because I preach with that authority. Because I'm preaching their words. I'm a man of God preaching God's word. When you go out of here and you start speaking to somebody. Speaking to somebody the word. When you're at school and you're speaking the word over them. You are speaking with the authority of the prophet. With the authority of the evangelist. With the authority of Jesus Christ. Have you ever been just sharing with someone God's word. And just trying to love on somebody. Next thing you know something comes out of your mouth. That you have never even thought before. And it pops somebody right between the eyes. I've done that before and felt like I had an out of body experience. I'm like who just said that? Where did that come from? That's the, I think that's that spirit of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. When it starts coming through you, you can't even stop it. It's already come out. That's scary sometimes when I say something that I've not completely thought through. I've learned not to do that unless it's the spirit of God. But it's time that we allow God's word to come into us and to start to work through us. The Bible says throughout, throughout, throughout Scripture that it's through the foolishness of preaching God's word will be revealed. It's not saying that preachers are fools. We won't, That's for another sermon. But it says through the foolishness of preaching. What do you mean? Through, through, through normal people like you and me that mess up, that struggle, that make mistakes. I've sinned, I'm fallen, I'm fallible. Do I have it all together? No, I'm not. You know, I stand here on an elevated platform, but at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. But something supernatural takes place when men and women who are called by God open up his word corporately and share it. That's the Holy Spirit. How can Bertie Britt come in here from a complete other nation and speak directly to us? Or Joe McGee. Or Bob Mumford. 
How can you be reading this week and me share the same subject? That's what I've heard this week. And all you know all that does for me is confirms in me that the same spirit's working through me that's working through you. It's not just saying, well, I guess you really do hear from the Holy Spirit. It's saying to me, well, I guess I really do hear from the Holy Spirit. One spirit. You know, what should start happening is the churches should start preaching on same similar things. Because God's saying something. And there should be some kind of continuity because there's only one spirit. There's not 5,000 spirits. There's one. And it doesn't surprise me when I hear that Bobby Davis or Mike Campbell or Randy Adkison or whoever is preaching on something similar. Well, all that does just confirm in me that we're hearing the Holy Spirit. And then Wayne does a song list that lines right up with what I'm about to preach. I never talk to him about what I'm preaching. We could muddy the waters by trying to work something up, and I don't want to do that. I want him to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. If I don't, if we don't preach the gospel, what is the gospel? It's the blood of Jesus. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. If we don't preach the gospel, we're powerless. Because without the power of the gospel, the power's gone. I can talk all day, five days a week, about... Five ways to become a better leader. Six ways to become a better husband. Eight ways to success. Ten ways to financial freedom. But if I'm not preaching the gospel, we're missing it. The blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to jump way ahead. I just want to get to a scripture right here. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture, everybody say all scripture, is God breathed. And you know what? God never has bad breath. Never. Anytime you come up here for ministry, if I don't have an Altoid in my mouth, turn around and go the other direction. I keep them everywhere. I've got them everywhere. God doesn't have bad breath. What does God breathed mean? It means that the Bible is inerrant. It means it is unable to err. It's unable to be to have a mistake. It says all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching. That's what we're doing here tonight. Teaching. Rebuking. Sounds kind of harsh. What does that mean? That means it shows us how to get right. It's that rough word that says "Eh, eh," this way. Rebuking is not bad when it comes correctly. It's good. What does it say next? Correcting. What does correcting do? It just gets you on the right track. Think about a course and if you're plotted to go to the moon, if you're off just by a fraction, you're going to miss it. Correcting is good. The correct correcting. And training in righteousness. It tells me how to stay right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Proverbs 6, 23, and this is it. 
for the commands are a lamp. This teaching is the light and the correction of discipline are a way to life. So many will not get into here because of how much it hurts. I want you to know eventually the hurting will stop. And real healing will take place. Do y'all remember when I, we've got so many new folks here. Years ago, I talked about um, rejection. And Derek Prince gives a story about shrapnel going into his body. And how if the shrapnel doesn't get taken out, shrapnel's just basically little pieces of metal. And they would go and they would treat the wound but not remove the source. But what will happen? Eventually that metal's not supposed to be in there will start to get infected and wind up being sicker than you were when you had the, the wound. What this means, the correct corrections of discipline are a way of life. What it does is where you're hurting. You're already hurting. You already know you're battling with these areas. You just don't want to touch that wound. You just don't want the word to touch that anymore because it hurts too much. What it does, it hurts, it opens it up, and it removes it. And you can't remove it on your own. It takes a relationship. It takes his word. It takes the Holy Spirit to go in and remove that pain that maybe your father or your mother or a friend or a spouse or who knows what has hurt you so bad that can't be healed. I want you to know the word is a lamp. The teaching is light and the corrections. The things you're battling with bitterness, unforgiveness, you say, I can never forgive that person. Yeah, you can. I will tell you, no, you can't on your own. But you let the word get in there and pull that out. Oh, it hurts. But then let it heal back up. The word of God is the key. It's the key. I really can't have a relationship without the word because I don't know him. It's hard to build relationship without word. Try to do that in a marriage. Try to build a relationship without talking. It won't work. I've gone long and I haven't meant to. I'm, I apologize. But bless you. Get in the word. Get under the authority. If you don't do anything in 2010, get under the authority of God. We'll start there. Start in the word. Let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for this praise report over Gary Beadle. And Lord, I just ask for more. I felt like we really had a breakthrough last week in praying, Lord, for the sick. I felt like there was an anointing here. And I don't even know that I even shared it. But Lord, you are a, a God that heals. And Lord, I believe that after we have talked about your word and receive your word, that we need to operate in power and that we need to believe for your healing. Lord, we just pray. I just pray for these on, on this list here tonight, Lord. And I just ask you for healing and breakthrough. Lord, I just ask you what man can't do that you do. The things that we've come in here hurting so much over, whether it's finances or relationship or forgiveness or whatever it may be. Lord, what we've been unsuccessful doing up till now. Lord, I ask for power. I ask for wisdom. I ask for breakthrough. We submit to your word and we submit to your authority.